Welcome to the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. I'm your host, Scott Ray, Dean of Faculty and Professor of Christian Ethics here at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. And I'm your co-host, Sean McDowell, Professor of Apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. We're here today with a very special guest, actress Rabia Scott, who is starring in an upcoming movie entitled Unplanned. Uh, we'll let her tell a little bit about what the movie is about, um, but it's a it's a wonderful story, and she's got a terrific story too. Uh, Rabia, thanks so much for being with us uh, and for taking some time to uh, talk about your own story and about the movie Unplanned. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me today. Uh, now, you've uh, as as I look through your your credits um, and the. You know the the media pack. Uh, you've had a you've had a let's just say you you were a you were a definitely a working actress for some time. Um, what what film and television credits would people know about that you've been involved in in the past? That is correct. I actually started my professional career as a teenager. I saw the movie Flashdance and I was completely inspired. Wow. I was, do, you, do you remember that movie? Yes, oh, yeah. of course. Yes, okay. <laughs> so uh, I was that little girl who danced around the house and put on shows for the family. And once I saw Flashdance, I realized that you could dance beyond your backyard and beyond your living room and make a career out of it. So I started training as a dancer. And uh, I, a few years after that, a few years later, I was hired by Prince to play the pearl half of Diamond and Pearl from his hit album wow. from the early 90s. Yeah. So that was incredible. I toured the world with him, dancing on stages with 60,000 fans and uh, did all the videos from his album and on his cover. And uh, then I transitioned into acting and did various shows such as Beverly Hills 90210 and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it was during my time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I started seeking God more fervently and became a born again Christian. So t- tell us a little bit more about your your spiritual journey, how you came to faith in Christ. It was it was while you were on in, in your role in Buffy and the Vampire Slayer that you actually came to faith. Yes, I mean it didn't happen on set on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Darn, that, that would that have been a really be, good that'd story. Be a really good story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it didn't happen there. But it was during that time of my life that uh, you know I, I was successful and I had, you know, traveled the world with Prince and I was on TV shows and doing really well, but I was struggling internally, uh, struggling with just feeling kind of tormented and fearful and uh, chain smoking and really dealing with eating issues and wanting to um, just find freedom from that. You know, I was very uh, obsessed with my body and my weight and, you know, most women struggle a bit in that area, but being a professional dancer and actress just exacerbated the situation. So I was really seeking freedom. And uh, I, I was in Southern California. When you're searching for spirituality in Southern California, you usually hit up against the New Age movement. So uh, that's the most prevalent. Jesus is not necessarily the first uh, stop here <laughs> in California. Uh, so I did a little bit of New Age um, investigation and got involved with that, but it wasn't really meeting me in my struggles. So I had some people minister to me about Christianity. And I was open because I was really looking for answers. But at the same time, my idea of what being a born again Christian was, you know, I had that sort of Hollywood version idea that, you know, it meant um, I was either, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord every second or, uh, you know, like, like 
like Christians are portrayed on television and from the mainstream media, it's not usually the real savvy, intelligent, articulate woman that you want to emulate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't really sure about Christianity, but little by little, God, you know, He's so faithful and He wooed me and I I always believed in Him and I was just praying and asking for direction and He just did one thing after another to lead me. And um at one point I was in this incredible church in Inglewood, this all black uh church except for me. There was like thousands of people, all African American gospel on fire wow. church. And wow. that's where I uh, accepted the Lord. Wow. What yeah. was it that these people who engaged you first did? Was it in conversation, in relationship, inviting you to something? How did they open up this spiritual dialogue in a way that you were receptive to it? Oh, gosh, let me see. Well, I had um, I had a few people. I had some people in my family, actually, that were talking to me, that they had come out of the New Age, so they were sharing with me about the difference between Christianity and the New Age. And then I had another friend that I worked had worked with as a dancer years past and we wound up running into each other and he was ministering to me a little bit. So I had a couple different avenues of people talking to me about Christ. And then it was, you know, I wound up going to church uh, and I, it, it took me a little bit at church. I didn't understand a lot what was going on, but at one point everything just hit and I knew that what I was hearing was true and that I wanted to be a part of it. So from there I became a Christian and I stayed in entertainment for a little bit. But very quickly, a couple things happened. One is that I felt, as I was growing in God, I just felt convicted about the types of auditions I was getting. And I just didn't want to do it in my heart, my spirit, my soul. I just didn't want to do some of the things I was um, having opportunities to do. And I also had an affinity for God and prayer very quickly. It just felt right. I just knew how to connect with Him and how to pray in power. And there was just something very strong that happened. So it was a pretty quick switch where I felt the Lord was having me leave the entertainment industry. So I walked away from a 20-year career um, to step into pursuing God and pursuing full-time ministry. And you know how God is. It was such a faith jump because obviously as a new Christian, I didn't have a ministry yet, but I knew that's where God was taking me and he wanted me to take the leap. So I completely let go of my career and jumped into the full-time ministry that I did not yet have. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, seeking God and... uh, he started to open the doors for me to start uh, moving forward as a speaker, as a teacher, you know, leading Bible studies. Then he expanded my platform to stages and churches. And I authored a book and, and uh, long story short, I've been doing this for 15 years. I love the things of God. It's my passion. I had no intention of ever going back to Hollywood, honestly, no interest in doing it, but through just a God only series of events that just make no sense. Um, I, I met the writer directors of the hit film, God's Not Dead from a few years ago. Someone I met introduced me to them. They felt like I was supposed to meet them. We did meet for a coffee. They shared the story of Unplanned. I was intrigued. Uh, they asked me to, to, to audition. I thought, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> and uh, I did. And they, they offered me the role. So after a 15 year hiatus from, from acting and never doing anything in the entertainment industry as a Christian, God brought me back, uh, for such a time as this, um, to do this, this, uh, for such a time as this film, because it surely is. So is it like riding a bike? You just picked up where you left off or was it like, oh my goodness, I am starting over. I've got to relearn this. What was that transition back to acting like for you? No one's asked me that. That's, 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 I'm so glad you asked me that. You know, it was, um, was still in there. It did come back, but there are things that you just forget when you're not working regularly. You forget, 
all the obstacles that are happening on set that try to take you out of the moment and sounds that are going on and just, you know, a lot of technical things that you just, you know, you, you do have to figure out how to incorporate all that when you're in the moment and, and doing a performance. Um, I also got thrown in on my very first day back on set with probably the most challenging scene. And so the, the directors apologized profusely, but they it just worked out that way that they mapped it out. So I basically stepped back on set in the most challenging scene of the movie. Have you seen oh the film Oh my goodness. Yet? We have not, not, not seen yet. it yet. We are anxious okay. to see it. Well, I do a real toe-to-toe scene with the lead actress, Ashley Bratcher, um, uh, where you know, I play the, and we'll talk about the movie. I play the head of Planned Parenthood. I play her boss. So yeah, I step back into, now I'm a Christian and I'm not doing this really anointed, you know, war room, prayerful kind of role. I'm doing the head of Planned Parenthood, which is the antithesis of who I am as a person. Um, But there's a scene where we go toe to toe and I basically am really giving her a hard time and I'm letting her know that, you know, we're an abortion facility. Um, you know, that's how we make our money. This is our motive. It was just a, a really intense scene. I'm basically saying abortion is our bread and butter and she needs to get on board or, you know, she's in trouble. And uh, that was my very first scene back on set. <laughs> well, nothing, nothing like uh, being thrown into the deep water right when you, right when you start to come back. Exactly. Um, well, tell, tell us a little bit more about the film Unplanned and the, particularly the story it tells about Abby Johnson. Unplanned is a true story based on a woman named Abby Johnson, and she wrote a book called Unplanned. It was a best-selling book, and now here we are making the film. Abby Johnson was a college uh, student, a Christian uh, Christian girl uh, in a pro-life family, and Planned Parenthood happened to be on her campus, um, you know, recruiting interns, and they shared with her the propaganda that we hear from Planned Parenthood about who they are, women's empowerment, women's health care, women's rights. And although Abby was Christian and she did know that they performed abortions, she loved the other side of it, the fact that, you know, it was all for women and she wanted to make a difference in the world. So she went and she was willing to intern. She wasn't sure what would happen, but very quickly she started re- um, just rising up the ranks and she decided it was her cause, you know, to do this work. And uh, again, I play her boss in the clinic. So I take her under my wing. I raise her up I mentor her. And then she winds up running a clinic and they're really grooming her to be in a very, very high position in the Planned Parenthood organization. Uh, Eight years in, she's the clinic director and over her watch uh, while she's there, she had overseen uh, over 22,000 abortions. When one day they bring her into the procedure room, she'd never actually been into the procedure room, uh, and she saw an ultrasound-guided abortion, and everything that she thought she knew, everything she taught women about it just being cells and not being a baby, all went right out the window when she actually saw what was happening, and God lifted the veil. She had a huge revelation, left Planned Parenthood, and now is a big pro-life advocate. And that's, uh, I mean, that's a little nutshell of the story, but there's so many twists and turns and ups and downs. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to be able to um, really lift the veil of Planned Parenthood and let people see what the organization is truly about. So she, let me, let me make sure I understand this correctly. She yeah. had, uh, Abby Johnson in her role as, as intern clinic supervisor, and running her own clinic had had been a part of 
supervising over 22,000 abortions, and she had never seen had never seen firsthand what had gone on herself. That's exactly right. I'm thinking how how can that be? How how can she, how could she not have known what what the procedure was like? She even says that the movie starts with a voiceover of her saying, you people ask me, how could I be so naive? How could I be so gullible? Did I not really know what I was doing? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because that's exactly how the film starts. And she said, no, you know, I really didn't. For whatever reason, she just didn't. She bought into the fact that she was helping women in crisis. She bought into the fact that what she believed, you know, scientifically, it wasn't really a baby at a certain point. Up until a certain point, until she saw through the ultra, uh, ultrasound guided um, abortion, she actually saw the baby, the perfectly formed baby, fighting, um, fighting against being aborted. You know, from the suction, like the baby was resisting, and she couldn't believe it. So it wasn't just a bunch of cells; it was an actual baby recognizing it was in danger and it was fighting for its life. In the movie, the role of Abby Johnson is played by Ashley Bratcher. She That's found good. out something once she accepted the role that was pretty surprising and shocking to her. Would you be willing to, to share that with us? She did. It's a tremendous story. Uh, she was hired last minute. The movie was about to go into production in a few days, and they still had not cast her that role because many actresses were too scared to play the role because they didn't want to be blacklisted from Hollywood. But she knew she was to play it. When they offered it to her last minute, she jumped on it. So she was on set. And she hadn't even had time to tell her mom where she was. Only her husband and son knew. And so she got on the phone with her mom a few days into set. And she wanted to be very sensitive to her mother because her mother had shared that before she was pregnant with Ashley that she had actually had an abortion. And so Ashley was cautious. She didn't want her mom to feel judged or condemned. And as she started to share with her the story of Abby Johnson and what she was playing in the movie, her mom had a breakdown and just started crying hysterically. And she admitted to Ashley that not only did she have an abortion prior, which Ashley knew, but she told Ashley for the first time, Ashley heard this, that while her mom was actually pregnant with her, she was in the abortion clinic on the table moments away from having an abortion. And something hit her where she just knew that she couldn't do it and she got up and left. And so now, I mean, talk about God knowing things from the beginning to the end, the end to the beginning. I mean, God knew that Ashley herself, you know, was almost aborted. And now here she is in the lead role, the face of this movie 30 some years later. This, she almost wasn't here. That's an incredible, incredible quote coincidence. Uh, you know, that's, that's something, that's something only that only happens in the providence of God. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now uh, you play the role of Cheryl, the head of Planned Parenthood. Uh, I'm curious to know what it, what it was like for you to play this particular role, especially because you know you that's a role you've got to get into the person you've got to play you've got to be somewhat a, a sympathetic portrayal of her, but knowing that she represents a position that you have so much difficulty with, how, how did that work for you to play this role? <clears throat> well. Even though it was an intense character and maybe you would consider it like a darker character, it was different from the work I've done in the past when you're doing, you know, a TV show that's very occultish and sort of glamorizes that as opposed to doing a project like Unplanned, which just really re reveals the truth. Um, 
So I knew that the character wasn't being glamorized. Uh, for me, I wanted to make, I wanted to play a real, you know, a human person. I didn't want to do a caricature of the bad one or any of that. So I just, personally, I just tried to tap into, uh, well, a lot of it was in the script and written right on the page. But I, I, you know, as a minister also, a lot of what I teach is, a, is emotional healing and that we act and react from wounds that we haven't necessarily uh, fully gotten healed from. And so, you know, I came, I came to this character wanting to go a bit deeper to think about what kind of wounding or what kind of experience she would have that would put her in this position that would make her so driven to succeed, so driven for success, um, to not have an emotional attachment to what she was doing. So, you know, that's the work I did as an actress to tap into that. And I, you know, I basically took that drive and passion and fire and desire I have for women's ministry. And I just kind of twisted it a little bit in her, in that direction of her kind of fire, passion, desire uh, for her achievement. Um, but then, you know, as a minister, I also have a lot of compassion in there. So I just felt with this character, I, I turned up the, the drive and the passion to a hundred and I turned the compassion down to zero and, uh, you know, really just played her as just not really being very emotionally connected and just incredibly driven. Sounds like a, a draining and difficult task, but that you aim to do it with, with integrity, which I think is the right thing to do. Thank you. And it was. People say, oh, was it so fun to play the villain? And maybe for some people it is, but I can't say it was really for me. Mm. You know, I would have much rather play a character that, you know, is, is prayerful and loving and vulnerable and emotional. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that would be more satisfying. I wouldn't say this was fun to do. Like it wasn't thoroughly enjoyable on set, but it was enjoyable knowing that I was a part of this incredible project and what I believe God wants to do with this movie. And I'm passionate about this topic. And as a minister, again, I'm, I'm a lover of truth. So I'm passionate about revealing the truth because I know it's the truth that makes people free. So all of those things were very exciting for me. Playing the character was not as exciting. Mm, <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, but I'm glad I did it. I'm so glad I did it because I just... Uh, this pro it's just a beautiful film. I cannot wait for you to see it and for mm. the listeners and the students to, to see it. It's, it's uh, extraordinary. Robia, I'm really curious, just kind of behind the scenes and on set, what's it like working on this film where clearly people have a budget and they need to not lose money on a film, but it's about so much more than that and a vision versus other projects you've been on where people want to entertain, but I'm guessing lack this deeper life calling and vision that was a part of Unplanned. Were there differences? And if so, what were some of those? Night and day differences. We, I think, all knew on set, we just knew we were doing something bigger than all of us and that we were really doing a kingdom work and you could feel it spiritually. You could feel the resistance to what we were doing. Uh, there were all sorts of obstacles, uh, spiritual, financial, you know, constant things coming to try to thwart the project from, to, from coming to fruition. Um, but the enemy did not prevail. <laughs> and uh, and our, our writer-directors, our men of God, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman, they were wise enough to realize what they were taking on by telling this story and what we were all taking on. And 
on a film set, you have all different departments. You have a hair and makeup department, you have a wardrobe department, you have a camera crew department. Well, on this, on this film, they hired a paid intercessory prayer department. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so we had five. We had five powerhouse men and women, a team. And they called themselves the five stones because they were the five stones in David's sling coming against Goliath. That was their name they gave themselves. And they were there all day, every day, praying over the set, praying over the scenes, praying over everything that needed prayer, praying over us. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience to feel the shifts that took place from prayer, to have that kind of support. To be on a set where, you know, for me, I could really be who I am and be myself and didn't have to, you know, you could say things like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of warfare and everyone knew what you were talking about. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a completely different kind of experience. What, what do you hope will be the impact of the film? I have many hopes. Uh, first and foremost, I hope that uh, it brings education and understanding to most people in our country. Uh, I mean, the average person does not really understand who Planned Parenthood is, what they do, because Planned Parenthood has been uh, a master at uh, using the media to to program people to believe what they want them to believe. So this lifts the veil, and I think it's going to be really shocking and eye-opening for people when they learn things like, at Planned Parenthood, you can't plan your parenthood because there's no prenatal care there. You know, the whole pro-choice and about a woman's right to choose. When you go to Planned Parenthood, you're not really given choices. You're not, it's not, oh, you know, can we help you become a parent? Uh, Are you open to adoption? It's none of that. You know, I don't think the average person realizes that when you go to Planned Parenthood, they do not let you see your ultrasound because statistics prove that when a woman sees her ultrasound, she bonds with the baby. And they specifically do not allow a woman to see her ultrasound because they don't want that emotional bonding because they want you to have an abortion. I mean, that's just, that's, I could talk about this very thing for an hour straight about all, who Planned Parenthood is, their, the origin of their intent of why they started the company, what they're doing. They're a billion dollar corporation. Uh, you know, there's so much to say about that. But just in a nutshell, that I think is going to be so eye opening for people. Well, it, sound, um, it sounds like it'd be, it'd be more accurate to call it planned unparenthood. Hmm. It, exactly. The fact that they call it Planned Parenthood in itself is just deceptive deceptive because there's nothing about parenthood there. It's not even an option. I am, I am excited for, uh, I think, gosh, I just think this film has the potential to really turn the tide and shift the direction that um, is happening currently in our country with this abortion issue and more states being, you know, pushing to, to the laws that are going on, like New York and the Senate voting, you know, for afterbirth abortion and things that I just think, I mean, for me, I just just can't believe this is even happening in my lifetime. I can't believe I'm even seeing this as, as, a, as a reality. So I think this movie is very God-ordained and God wants it to shift culture. I think it's going to be, um, for individuals, it's going to be very healing. I think for post-abortive women that might feel scared to see the movie, this movie has no shame. It has no condemnation. It has no judgment. Mm. It's about healing. It's about hope. It's about redemption. It's about regardless of what you've done, God has a plan for you. He has a future for you. Uh, so I, I have really been imploring women to not feel nervous about, you know, because there have been numerous post-abortive women as I've been, done screenings around the country you know, that there's 
sharing it with friends that, you know, they've been hesitant. Is this a good movie for someone who's been through this personally to see? And I would say it absolutely is because I think it will pave the way for ah, just a deeper level of healing. So I'm, I'm very excited about that, that the film doesn't come across in a preachy, judgy, Christian-y, um, you know, legalistic way, but it's really, uh, it's so infused with love and grace and hope and uh, it's, it's beautiful. I'm not surprised, but I'm so thrilled to hear that the movie aims to just be as gracious and love-filled and accurate as you describe it. I can't wait to see it. What advice would you give? And you kind of hinted at this in your last uh, response, given that it deals with a sensitive topic and actually portrays an abortion on screen. Now, not a real abortion, but a uh, the kind of thing that Abby would have seen, you know, in real life that led to her transformation. What advice would you give to families, to individuals, to churches, to people going to see this so they can just be in the right mindset? We did receive an R rating. Uh, the movie probably should have gotten an uh, PG-13 rating, but, you know, we, we sensed on our team that there was a little bit of a, you know, a political backlash there. And how an R rating is determined is from four factors. It is um, sexuality, nudity, foul language, and violence. There's no sexuality in Unplanned. There's no nudity. There's no foul language. But the Motion Picture Association, because of a couple scenes that do depict abortion, they have deemed abortion a violent act, which is in an admission in itself. That, what, you know, what a concept. Saying, isn't it? Wow. I know. They're actually saying, they're agreeing that it's a violent act. Um, so we did get a rated R, but for everyone um, that can hear this now, I want to encourage you that what our team is saying is that in this case, R stands for recommended. Nice. R stands for relevant. Nice. Yeah. R stands for real, relevant, recommended. You know, I'm a parent myself and I know church leaders, church goers, parents, we, you know, we want to protect our own soul and spirit from certain imagery and things that we just don't want to allow into our eye gates and ear gates. But this is, this is not those things. This is the kind of truth on screen that uh, is very important for people of all ages to see. And I would even go so far as to say, especially teenagers, especially mm. teenagers, um, you know, in our country, currently a 13, 14, 15 year old can go and get an abortion without parental consent, but now cannot see this movie and planned about abortion without parental consent. So the irony there is just uh, extreme. Unbelievable. But, um, you know, all the college kids that we've showed it to, they are blown away. I can't tell you the tears, the things that they've stood up and shared. They said, you don't understand what we deal with on our college campus. You don't, you know, the pressure, uh, the, the mindsets of so many of the people that they just could not wait for their friends to see this movie. Um, there's one scene that's very powerful talks about that, that shows the abortion pill and, and, and Abby going through an experience with the abortion pill. And, uh, you probably know in California, they were trying to push the bill that the California, uh, the um, abortion pill would be able to be dispersed on college campuses. Uh, that did not go through. But, you know, this is the kind of agenda that <clears throat> is trying to be pushed. And it's so powerful in this movie, because let me tell you, uh, you know, once college age kids see her going through this, they are not going to be running uh, to go to get that abortion pill <laughs> because what they tell you is, oh, it's not a big deal. It's like, you know, sort of a gentle, it's not surgical, it's no big deal. But what Abby goes through in the movie, and it's a true story, none of this is fabricated, 
once you see what she went through on screen in the weeks and weeks and weeks of pain and things that she went through from the, from the pill, uh, it's like the best, it's just going to be the best eye-opening experience, I think, for a lot of these um, kids and really people from all ages. You know, obviously adults as well need it, kids need it. So I know that was a long answer, but uh, I, I do hope that, um, you know, parents obviously need to, to, to decide for themselves at what age they feel, you know, that's their child, that what age of, the, of maturity their, their child is. I personally think, you know, 12, 13 is, would be a good age. Uh, my daughter's eight. I'm not going to have her see the movie yet because I think it's too much for her to understand. Even though she understands abortion, I've had to share with her because I'm doing this movie. So we've talked about it. But um, I personally think from about 12 years and up, uh, everyone should see it. And I, I encourage church leaders and, and youth group leaders and pastors and priests and those who are leaders in the body of Christ to, um, to, to encourage their uh, people as well. Great. That, uh, that's really helpful, I think, to, especially why, why it got the R rating. I think it will be very helpful to our listeners to, uh, you know, just to know why, why that rating was given and that there's really nothing in there that uh, would be problematic for you know, somebody maybe 13 and above. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. There's just two scenes in particular where they, you know, where you see a little bit behind the veil that, you know, they're not necessarily easy scenes to watch. Uh, but I think they're important scenes to watch. Well, Robia, this has been so helpful in just <laughs> you telling your story, telling us a little bit about the movie. Uh, I'm sure I want to encourage our listeners not only to see the movie, but to also pray for the impact of it on the culture in general. Pray f- that, the, that the movie will impact the, the future and the destiny of the unborn for many years right. to come. Uh, we're very grateful for you coming on with us. I know it's a super hectic time for you. Uh, so thank you very much for taking this time to be with us on the podcast today. Thank you. And I want to encourage people because the film comes out this weekend. Those that are listening to please get to the theater's opening weekend because that makes a difference in the movie having a greater impact. And uh, you can go to unplanned.com and find out where the film is playing near you. You can just plug your zip code in and all the theaters will come up. We're in about 1,200 theaters nationwide right now, That's which is excellent. incredible. Fantastic. Um, and then also, you're, if your listeners want to stay connected with me to learn more about the movie and the ministry, you know, I'm all on social media, Instagram, everything's under my name, Robia Scott. Or go to my website, robiascott.com, and then we can connect a little bit as well, because I love to connect Very with good. people. Very good. Thank <laughs> you for that. Again, much appreciated for you coming on with us, and all the, all the best to you and to the film. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. To learn more about us and today's guest, Robia Scott and the movie Unplanned, and to find more episodes, go to biola.edu forward slash thinkbiblically. That's biola.edu forward slash thinkbiblically. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, think biblically about everything. <laughs>